Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. For more than a decade, I worked in the State Department Bureau responsible for arms transfers and security assistance to foreign governments. In that time, I was involved in many complex and morally challenging debates over what weapons to send where. What I had not seen until this month, however, was a complex and morally challenging transfer in the absence of a debate. And so last week, I resigned. That's an essay recently published by my next guest, Josh Paul, in the Washington Post. He's former director in the State Department's Bureau of Political and Military Affairs. Hey, Josh, I enjoyed having you on CNN, and I'm appreciative that you've come back for more. So thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to talk to you again. Most of us have no idea. What is the uh, Bureau of Political and Military Affairs? Yeah, so the Bureau of Political and Military Affairs is uh, essentially responsible for America's defense diplomacy, including uh, security negotiations and agreements with partners, uh, security assistance to partners and allies around the world, and arms transfers. And it's interesting that that is routed in the State Department, because the United States sees arms transfers essentially as a tool of foreign policy. So it's that Bureau's job to you know, assess all of the incoming requests uh, for arms from partners and allies around the world and to determine if we should move ahead with them. You anticipated my next question, which is, why does this not get handled by the Defense Department? Yeah, so for most countries, it actually is handled by ministries of defense or in some cases by their commerce or trade ministries. Uh, again, for the U.S., it is a, seen as a tool of foreign policy. It builds long-term relationships and, of course, has foreign policy consequences uh, for us around the world. So it's handled by state. Did you ever have disagreement on Donald Trump's watch that caused you to ponder quitting your job as you did recently on President Biden and Anthony Blinken's watch? Yes, many and frequently. In fact, under Donald, Tr- Donald Trump's administration, I, I found it necessary to draft an unsigned resignation letter that I always kept in a drawer uh, should that moment come where I felt that I could not do more good than harm. Uh, but I then, as, as throughout the Biden administration and my time in the Obama administration, uh, I always felt that I and other colleagues who care deeply about human rights were able to shape some of these decisions to inform them, uh, to mitigate some of the worst possible outcomes. And for as long as I could do that, 
uh, I was not only uh, able to stay, but happy to stay. So what was the straw, as they say, that broke the camel back here? Because on October 7, you say when Hamas massacred Israeli civilians, you felt sick to your stomach. And then what happened within the department? So what happened within the department is that we very quickly began to receive requests from Israel for a wide variety of arms. And, you know, I've been involved in the Middle East for almost 20 years. I spent a year living in the West Bank uh, in addition to several years in Iraq. And, you know, I'm aware of the track record here, which is that, you know, Israel, Hamas rockets Israel, Israel goes after Hamas, uh, and thousands of civilians die, and then it's wash, rinse, repeat. We do it all again in a few years. Uh, This has not led to security for Israel, and it has come at devastating cost to civilians on the Palestinian side. Uh, Of course, there is also the the broader scope here, right? This didn't start from October 7th. Uh, The Israeli occupation has been in place now for 50 years. Uh, And so I think we have to look at that broader context as well. But what essentially it came down to was that I saw this humanitarian catastrophe unfolding. I saw the track record uh, of civilian devastation in Gaza. Uh, And I also, when I tried to raise these issues, was met with either silence or a directive to hurry up and move these transfers uh, because there is no space for debate here. This is the policy. In other words, you you anticipated, I guess, what some would say is playing out on television sets right now, that we're watching the humanitarian crisis that Josh Paul anticipated. Yes, I think it's entirely predictable. Uh, We've seen it before, and I fear that we will see it again, absence of significant change in approach. But Josh, what was the alternative? Well, so I think there are several answers to that. And the first question we have to ask ourselves is, how on earth did we get to this situation? 30 years after Itzhak Rabin stood on the White House lawn and said, enough of blood and tears, that once again there's blood and tears. I think this is a massive failing on the part of the international community and the parties to the conflict. Uh, Second of all, I think a government that thinks its only option to peace is to kill thousands, thousands of innocent men, women and children um, is a government that needs to take a long, hard look at itself in the mirror. And I say government because, of course, we're talking about Netanyahu and his government here. And, of course, Netanyahu has his own domestic agenda. And I think we need to keep in mind that what is in his interest is not necessarily in the Israeli interest. And there are other options here. Israel has extremely capable forces uh, that we have seen, you know, pursuing terrorism around the globe, uh, you know, for example, in the wake of the 1972 Munich attacks. I I think what we are seeing here is actually counterproductive to Israel's security. Uh, It may, in the short term, significantly degrade Hamas's military capabilities, but it will not result in security for Israel. There has to be a political solution here. There is not a military one. A naive question. What arms did Israel request and require? My perception is that they're already so well supplied and so well funded by the United States that I'm a bit surprised that Israel even needed to make a request after 10-7. So they are uh, well-supplied and well-funded by the United States. Now, I'll note that some of that funding, uh, Israel actually spends domestically within Israel, as opposed to almost every other country in the world who has to spend it in the U.S. And that's actually led to the growth of an Israeli defense industrial base uh, that is a top-10 exporter of arms and actually competes with the U.S. uh, around the world. So we've actually subsidized our competition. Uh, Israel does have significant stockpiles. I think what Israel did in this case was, was come in not just for the things they need in the immediate context, Uh, But frankly, and and I know this sounds cynical, but I think sensed an opportunity that, you know, there has been increasing uh, opposition within the U.S. to arms transfers to Israel in 2021. 
uh, it was actually the first time ever that a joint resolution of disapproval was proposed in Congress to try to block an arms sale to Israel. Uh, I think right now the doors, the barn doors are open, and I think uh, they are, you know, cynically, if sensibly, uh, trying to get everything they might need for the coming years, uh, including things that we would not have previously uh, authorized or that were under significantly controversial discussion because of the units they were going to, uh, knowing that there will be no opposition at this time. Were your urgings for a, a so-called frank discussion, frank debate on the matters that you and I are now discussing, were they in writing, were they verbal, were they both, and what was the response? No, they were. I, I, I both wrote to leadership within the Bureau and the Department and uh, also have raised these issues repeatedly, not just since October 7th. I mean, I think a lot of us have been very concerned uh, about Israel's behavior in some respects for a long time. Uh, in this instance, and there has been space for discussion on that in the past, in this instance there was not. Again, the, the direction was just to set those concerns aside uh, and to move forward as quickly as possible. Do you think it was one of those situations where people who were publicly or, or privately behind closed doors, but meaning at face value, disagreeing with you in private, actually agreed with you? Uh, yes, I think very, very many people, and I've heard from many of them since leaving the department, uh, in addition to while I was there, uh, do have deep concerns about the current policy approach, both on a moral basis and in that it is contributing uh, to these massive civilian casualties in Gaza, but also on a policy basis, uh, because what it is doing is actually uh, demonstrating that we may be hypocrites, that it is undermining uh, the image that we try to put out, and, and which I really believe is, is real, of American values. Uh, Secretary Blinken is, is right now testifying before the Senate uh, Appropriations Committee, and he said that our allies and partners are our greatest strategic asset. Uh, I would say that our values are our greatest strategic asset. They are what discriminate us from the competition, uh, for example, the People's Republic of China or Russia or Iran. And when we are seen to be abandoning those, I think it is deeply undermining to our efforts around the world. But, Josh, it's hard to have this conversation and, and not have it cast as one of capitulation or surrender to the barbarity of what Israel experienced on 10-7. I, I think that's exactly wrong. I think that, in, in fact, it's more important now to have this conversation because what we are ultimately trying to get is peace and security, not only for Palestinians, but for Israelis as well. And if we care about Israeli lives, if we care about Israeli civilians, who live under rocket fire or who suffered from Hamas's atrocity on uh, October 7th, then we need to find a path forward that leads to peace and security for them, not one that continues to hold them at risk. I think what Josh Paul is saying is that to leave Netanyahu unmanaged, that's not the right word, but I'm struggling to come up with the right word, but to leave him to his own devices is actually not in the best interest of Israel. Correct. Not in the best interest of Israel or the U.S. Right. Okay. So, so now it brings me to this, and thank you for being so gracious with your time. This is the Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready Rav Four. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. 
you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Were you a canary in the coal mine insofar as I am looking at page one of today's New York Times above the fold? Michael Shear, David Sanger, Edward Wong, three-person byline, headline, Biden's full backing is now tempered. And this paragraph appears, the president's message in which he emphatically joined the mourning that was sweeping through Israel has shifted dramatically over the last three weeks. While he continues to declare unambiguous support for Israel, Mr. Biden and his top military and diplomatic officials have become more critical of Israel's response to the terrorist attacks and the unfounding and the unfolding humanitarian crisis. This is this is pretty much what you anticipated. Yes, I, I think that's right. And I think it's something that, you know, many anticipated or should have anticipated. Uh, I think there is a disconnect between where the American public is in this issue and where sort of elected political leadership is. And I think that that disconnect is being crystallized uh, in the last few weeks and is in part driving the Biden administration to change its tone. However, actions speak louder than words. And it is all very well to advocate for reducing civilian casualties, which I truly believe they are pushing the Israelis to do. Um, but if that is being done while the arms are still being provided, I don't know how effective it is. This is the Any second out. This is the second hour of my program. And in the first hour of the program, I offered commentary and expressed a concern that the court of public opinion is swinging mightily in the opposite direction of Israel. And we're only three weeks removed from the attack. Your thoughts? I would say I wouldn't say it's swimming in the opposite direction of Israel. I think it is actually you know, harmful to cast this as a if you're pro-Israel, then you believe that we should be arming them. They should be doing whatever they want in Gaza. I think the pro-Israel argument is actually a pro-peace argument. And I think that's the direction the population is swinging towards. What would you say? I raised this with you on television, but I want to do it in front of my radio audience. What would you say to those who would critique Josh Paul and say your job was to follow direction and provide arms? You were not one who was to set policy. That would be the president. That would be Secretary Blinken. So the United States and the PM Bureau, Political Military Bureau, authorizes approximately 20,000 distinct distinct arms sales cases every year. 
uh, there's no way for the president or even the secretary to get involved in each and every one of those 20,000 decisions. So what they do is they set policy. And so, for example, the Biden administration, President Biden, has a conventional arms transfer policy. And that policy clearly states that arms shall, the transfer of arms shall not be authorized when it is more likely than not that they will contribute to human rights violations or increase or uh, aggravate the risks of human rights violations. So that is the president's role here. And he has set that policy. Uh, I believe that I've been following it. And finally, Josh, how much of this is generational? And do you expect that many more will follow you out the door? In other words, are you a one-off or are you a sign of a, of a much larger youth-based movement? I, I think there is a wide disconnect. I, I don't think within the civil service that it is generational. Uh, it may be within the American population at large, but I think within the civil service, you know, you have a lot of experienced people, and the more time they have spent on this issue, the more they understand the nuance and complexity of it. I think what holds people back is, first of all, their own personal circumstances, um, you know, not you know, knowing how they'll be able to pay for health care, for example, if they leave, a problem that I'm struggling with right now. Uh, and also the fact that criticism of Israel can often be, for senior officials, a career killer. Uh, they will not get Senate confirmed if they are openly critical of Israel or if they seem to be critical of Israel. And again, that's a problem because it withholds us from being able to provide Israel with the sort of frank and caring advice that I believe we owe it. So bottom line, the takeaway from Josh Paul is that you had to leave because the, the rote response of just fulfilling every request that Israel was making in the immediate aftermath sans debate you thought was not in their best interest or our best interest and and you wanted more of a deliberation fair that's fair okay josh thank you for for your willingness to come by and tell your story i really do appreciate it thank you pleasure talking with you you too josh paul ladies and gentlemen is the former director of the state department's bureau of political military affairs what what do we make of that interesting story Quote, on October 7, when Hamas massacred Israeli civilians, I felt sick to my stomach, both because of the horror being visited upon innocence and because I knew what would come next. Israel has a right to defend itself, but the country's track record over a half dozen major clashes in the past 15 years suggests that thousands of Palestinian civilians will die in the process. Sure enough, Israeli requests for munitions started arriving immediately, including for a variety of weapons that have no applicability to the current conflict. These requests deserve the attention we would pay to any large arms package, and I urged a frank discussion. My urging was met with silence and the clear direction that we needed to move as fast as possible to meet Israel's requests. Concurrently, the same Congress that had previously blocked arms sales to other regimes with questionable human rights records was now pressing us to move forward to meet Israel's demands. The idea that U.S. arms should not be used to kill civilians has never been a controversial one in any of the four administrations I have served, dating back to my work helping rebuild the Iraqi security sector in 0406. And then there's more to it. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Hey, gang, you want a little uh, a little break in the heavy? Tomorrow night, 7 p.m., for about a half hour, I am going to lead a conversation, interview the three editorial cartoonists who are part of Smirconish.com. Uh, really three talented individuals who've are all very accomplished in their field. It's for subscribers to my newsletter. So I'm telling you this now in case you're not a subscriber, subscribe right now. And tomorrow the link will be in the newsletter that people will click on and be able to participate. Costs you nothing. Nice break in the action. Think of it as like a a happy hour conversation. 7 p.m. tomorrow will showcase some of their work. Uh, It should be really of great interest. Okay, so love to see you there. Okay, Uh, Robert is standing by in West Orange. Robert, you just heard from Josh Paul. He quit his gig at the State Department. What did you most want to say? I just want to know what else is Israel supposed to do here. My my feeling is he quit, what, within a week, Michael? And already he was making determinations upon what Israel was requesting. Well, how would this, you know, how would this be used in a response to this attack? It's like, dude, you're not in their military. Fulfill the request, do your job, fight on the inside. But after a week, like, what kind of judgment call are you making? And this is a guy, I mean, the State Department is funding, I mean, how many weapons have we supplied to Saudi Arabia who destroyed Yemen over the last few years? I mean, why is he holding Israel to a different standard? Israel, and he, of course, Israel wants peace. How many ceasefires have Israel broken over the last 15 years? Zero. They don't break ceasefires. The expectation that Israel should just be cool with sitting on the border with a terrorist organization who just killed people is really outstanding to me. And, of course, no one wants civilian casualties. Israel is doing the best we can. But how can they 
be expected to be angels in a conflict like this. The standard being held to them, I think, is just insanity. Right. What what of the reaction that says, look at what's playing itself out right now. It's what he anticipated. And it's not in Israel's best interest because people are saying now the death count is 8,000. It's still increasing. People have been shut off from supplies. You know the arguments. What would you say to that? I would say damned if they do, damned if they don't. They, That's true. You know, no yep. one's – it's exactly what it is. It's like damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they do, this organization sit there with 200 – and the number keeps going up – 240 hostages – and it's like, well, what do you what do you expect them to do? What do you expect them to do? Um, Rob, uh, Robert, thank you. Let you me go. let me keep moving. I appreciate uh, very much your your thoughts. Chris, Minneapolis, what did you want to say from Minnesota? Well, I, I think all along the plan was to draw Israel in because we're we're thinking about this as a land war. But really, this is a media war. This is a war for people's minds. If this is truly a religious war, then they're trying to convince people that Israel shouldn't exist, and this is why. And I think the plan all along was to draw them in, to document everything they did, and to be David versus Goliath, and they just made him Goliath. I said this uh, uh, in the last hour. Maybe Hamas was three steps ahead in saying, we're going to commit these atrocities, we're going to take hostages, Uh, Israel will, will have a reaction that is so ferocious that in the long term it will end up being against Israel's best interest. I'm struggling for my words here. The perception in the in the global community will be that they overplayed their hand and they won't be able to help themselves. Yeah. Yes, and it's the same game they play with the United States. Let's poke them and then have them come in and we'll make them the villain. And that's exactly what we've done. That's exactly so, what okay, they've done. Okay, okay. So, 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 what? The, to but to to the last caller's point, what was the alternative? Well, there's no alternative for Israel. Um, Israel has to do a better job and at, at understanding this is a propaganda war. They have to justify their action. It sucks for them, but this is all in the war in, in the court of public opinion, because the people that this is reaching are state-run countries with Muslim majorities, and they're purposely feeding them things that will make them the most angry. And Israel has to defend itself, but it has to do it in such a way that it can't lose. It can't sit there and say, well, we don't care what the world thinks we're going to go in anyway. That's exactly what they want. They want to make them a bully. Israel has to say, okay, we're listening to the United States, and we're listening to you, and as an international coalition, we are going to go in. I think there's too much secrecy on Israel's part, and I think yeah, I was going to say Netanyahu's level of concern over this, <clears throat> I think, is is evidence. And I said it before, but I'll say it again. Evidenced by the fact that he spoke in English. And yes, he often does. But that he spoke in English last night and that he invoked both Pearl Harbor and September 11 and 9-11. He was he was making his pitch to the United States because I'm sure. And now this is borne out in the reporting that there's a growing divide between what he wants to do in Gaza and what the administration seeks for him to do. By the way, another voice in all of this on the question of a ceasefire is that of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, because she too weighed in. Don't forget my poll question uh, today asks whether Netanyahu's statement of, quote, calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terror. I want to know if you agree or disagree with that. Here's what the former secretary of state had to say. 
People who are calling for a ceasefire now do not understand Hamas. That is not possible. It would be such a gift to Hamas because they would spend whatever time there was a ceasefire in effect rebuilding their uh, armaments, you know, creating stronger positions to be able to fend off uh, an eventual um, assault by the Israelis. So we're in a very different world. I don't think it had to be the world we're in, but that's where we are and we've got to figure our way uh, forward through it. Bruce, you are in Queens, New York. You just heard from the former Secretary of State. What, what do you make of Hillary Clinton's comment, and what did you want to say when you dialed the phone? Hi, Mike. Thanks for your our wonderful show. I agree. Um, you know, I, I'm not Jewish, but logic, horrible logic, says if the, a country, the majority, has elected a group that wants to annihilate me, which is Hamas, we've given some people, we've given residents time to leave, then I'm sorry, I guess those residents that have stayed there are of the same belief that I should be annihilated. So I must not I must kill you. Okay, so the fact that they voted in 06, you voted for Hamas, we're going to hold you accountable collectively, that's the word, for everything that that group now does. If you stay in that area that we told you to leave, yes. Yeah, I, I'm still... Thank you, Bruce. I'm still not sure what what you know the 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 long term play is here. Uh, they are saying that nine hundred thousand or so people had eight hundred to nine hundred thousand did flee from the north to the south. Okay, the IDF is now in the in the north. What then after whatever the objective is of blowing up the tunnels, dismantling whatever the infrastructure on which Hamas relied? Let's just assume that that part of the job is over. Now what? Do the folks from the south get to come back to the north? Is the area going to be cleared before that happens? Do they then go into the south? I don't know. Tampa, Florida is where David stands by. David, go ahead. You remember the uh, Harvard students from 30 organizations who signed that abominable uh, petition uh, in favor of Hamas? Okay. Yes. What happens is these students go into the lectures from the Islamic extremists who teach them, one-sided, hear their lies, then they grow up, and you know what they do? They get jobs in the State Department. That's the whole strategy. This is Josh Paul. In other words, he you, would have been a Harvard student 20 years ago. Got it. You, you say so that the, he's, the natural out, he's the natural outgrowth of, of what you saw with those 30-plus Harvard groups. I understand. Paul, Milford, Pennsylvania, what did you want to say? Well, I think it, it, the only way to uh, solve all these problems is to take religion out of government. Because then you wouldn't have uh, Jews and Muslims fighting. It, it all, if you had human laws and stuff like that, not Muslim laws or Jewish laws, just human laws, take religion out of government, maybe the world could get along, you know? Just like in this country. Yeah, but ours is ours is the most religion-free government of all, and and yet there's no escaping it when others, especially those who are ideologically or religious based and and want your demise, if they're acting based on their faith, it doesn't even matter whether you're acting on yours. Said awkwardly. Hopefully, you understand what I was saying. Uh, Wolf, Kingston, Canada. Where's Kingston in Canada? It's, uh, it's it's on Lake Ontario. It's just uh, east of Toronto. Uh, okay. So, 
Um, what I want to, I'm Jewish. My family was wiped out by the Nazis. I'm not a self-hating Jew. Uh, I, I want to say quickly that you, if you haven't already talked, you should talk to Peter Beinart. Peter Beinart, as you may know, is Jewish, writes in the New York Times all the time. As far as I'm concerned, he's the most knowledgeable person about this topic. And hopefully, if you do talk to him, ask him about what, pal- you know, what Palestinians you could interview. They're like Khalidi. There are lots of Palestinians in the United States who could, who could talk to you about this topic, too. Uh, for me, October the 7th, the 7th is, like, is like the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory, nothing happened before the Big Bang Theory. And, this is, and according to Israel, nothing happened before October the 7th. The fact is that there is history. There, there is a history there. And, and, and for me, the, uh, the, the uh, Palestinians in, in either Israel, the West Bank, or, or Gaza, are treated just like the blacks in Birmingham back in the 40s and the 50s and the 30s, whatever. Different levels of oppression, but still, that's how they're treated. And that's part of the history of this whole thing. You can't just right, you know, but I think I hope you're you know, gonna I hope you're gonna finish I hope you're gonna finish your thought by saying that even if that's your perspective, nothing, nothing warranted, nothing defends, nothing explains what transpired on ten seven. Like you can begin your it, timeline it, wherever you'd a, like, I, so I, long as you. I yeah, agree finish. With you go. It's a horrible thing. Okay, I, I agree with this, but but and. That, but these are monsters, there are murderers, all of that's true, Hamas. But what do you call people who throw bombs and, and, and do industrial killing? What's their label? Are they monsters? Yeah, I, are I they don't, killers? I mean, I, they, they, and they've done that before. This is, this, is, this, this is not the Big Bang Theory. It did not start on October Wolf, the 7th. I, I get, I get your point. History. Nothing, just, let's just agree. Nothing justifies, nothing justifies what right. happened on that Saturday. Okay? Yeah. Nothing justifies what transpired on that day. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on SiriusXM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.